and welcome to mini episode 79 of Real Life Ghost Stories. To kick things off this week, I need to thank some of our newest Patreon subscribers. Like I said, a little bit of a backlog, so I'm trying to catch up. I would like to thank Sammy Wise, Susan Ryden, Frodo Fox, Mary Elizabeth, Lillian, Bexical C, Stacey Wegner, Francesca Gibbons, Katie Murphy, Henry Atwater, Cassie Kempf, Jean, Vanessa Roop, Ashley Meller, Dreaming Thunder, Sherlocked, Kiona Adair, Deidre Shelton, Faith Nair, and Fee White. Thank you so much for joining our Patreon. As I've said before, there is no new Patreon content until September, but if you really want to, you can still sign up and access all of the back catalogue. And I have six spooky listener stories for you today. And our last story comes from the 4th of August 2020. And story number one comes from Kevin. Upon listening to the Jimmy C episode of your podcast, I genuinely believe that my mom experienced something very similar. When my mom was in college, her grandmother died. My mom was still living with her mother in Springfield, Massachusetts. And one night soon after the death, they both had the same dream about her grandmother coming back complete with details about what she wore and what she said. During this time, my mom was teaching a dance class to underprivileged kids, and her and her friend and fellow teacher, Brady, drove a kid home from practice one day. They stayed for a while to have coffee with the kid's mother. My mother went to the kitchen to get a glass of water and the woman followed her in. They were chatting, when the woman offhandedly told my mother, I know about the dream. My mother responded, what are you talking about? And the woman said, I know that you and your mother had the same dream about your grandmother last night. It could have been the friend that mentioned it, which would be a stupid end to this little story, but it doesn't end there. My mom rejoined the woman and Brady in the living room to continue chatting and drinking coffee. The woman began telling some story, the detail of which my mother does not remember but my mom noticed that the woman appeared to be aging in front of her eyes. The woman's face was changing from that of a mid-thirties young mother to an old woman over the course of a few minutes, all the while my mother and Brady felt as though they couldn't move. She said she felt as though she was in the presence of intense evil. After a few minutes, whatever hold was on them broke, and my mom and Brady made up an excuse to rush out of the home. As they got to their car, they looked at each other and my mom said, Did you? And Brady finished the sentence. Notice that she got older. They nodded, got in the car and didn't speak about it the whole ride home. She has some other eerie stories, particularly about a house they lived in before I was born, in which my brother, who lived in the attic bedroom as an infant, would tell my parents about the nice old lady who had took him in at night or that there was a particular doorway that smelled like my mom's grandmother's perfume when you walked through it. And story number two comes from Carrie. Ever since I was old enough to recall, my parents always worked long hours and were gone throughout the majority of the weekdays. Luckily, my aunt Linda took care of my sister and I. She lived with us and always loved us as if we were her own. She was our caretaker for many years of our lives. 
She was there from the diaper changing stages all the way to the stages of dropping us off at middle school. She was a very big part of my sister and I's lives. She showed us a lot of the things we now know. When I was about 10 years old, things took an unfortunate turn for our family. My mom and my aunt started showing resentment towards each other. I didn't really understand why at the time, I just remember being very confused about the whole thing when they would argue. It got so hostile that my mom eventually decided to kick my aunt out. My sister and I were devastated because my mom told us that we would only be seeing our aunt by visiting her at her new apartment when my dad was able to take us over there. We were excited to still be able to see her, but it was still very hard not having her at the house every day. The time without her passed so quickly and the amount of days we got to see her dwindled down. And this is when things took a dramatic turn. When I was in sixth grade, I remember being woken up by my sister with the most uneasy feeling in my stomach because I could tell that something was wrong. She woke me up and I immediately said, What happened? What's wrong? And she replied that Linda was in a car accident and she didn't make it. I remember being in shock, but weirdly also aware that this had happened. I felt the dread and despair as soon as I woke. It was a very sad day for my sister and I, given that we had felt like we had lost so much time with my aunt beforehand due to the circumstances between her and my mother. A couple of weeks after the funeral, things felt different in my house. My mom was different, and I knew it was because of how the relationship ended with her and my aunt. My mom slept in the living room most nights because she was having a hard time sleeping. I understood her pain because I was having the same problem. One night I awoke around 2 o'clock or so because I had this strange feeling that I needed to be awake. I always slept with my door cracked and I don't know why I did that because my hallway was creepy as hell. Anyways, when I woke up, I raised up and immediately looked at my door. When I did, I saw a woman standing there with long dirty blonde hair just watching me through the crack of the door. My aunt always had long dirty blonde hair but at that time, it was not in my thought process. I thought it was my sister going to the kitchen for a drink, so I said softly, Alex, what are you doing? She didn't respond, and the woman looked away and walked towards the kitchen. I got up and went into the kitchen to see if it was my sister, but no one was there. I went into my sister's room next, and there she was asleep in her bed. I freaked out. I was only 11 at the time, so I went into the living room and woke my mom to tell her. She was a heavy sleeper, so she was half asleep and didn't really give a shit, so I just slept on the other end of the L-shaped couch with her. The next morning when my mom was fully awake, I told her what happened, and told her I felt like someone was wanting to be in our house. She paused for a moment and didn't say much, except you must have just been dreaming. I brushed it off and forgot about it the rest of the day. Later that night, my mom told me something that had me shook. She told me that she knew who was watching me that night because she had had some experiences herself and felt like I should hear it. My mom told me that she was having dreams about my aunt regarding the things they had fought about before my mom kicked her out and she moved to sleeping on the couch because she felt better just watching TV until she fell asleep. She said the first few nights after my aunt's passing, she would be on the couch and hear cracking from the kitchen like someone cracking their knuckles constantly. My aunt always cracked her knuckles. It was something we knew about her. My mom would brush it off, just hoping it was in her head, but the cracking continued for a while. 
I was already emotional hearing this, but what she said next was something I will never forget. My mom told me that the night I had my experience with the woman at the door was the same night she had a dream about my aunt that changed her. She said in the dream she heard the cracking of knuckles in the kitchen and decided to go and see what it was. She saw my aunt standing there with her hands covering her face sobbing. My mom confronted her and told her she was sorry for all of the things that were said between them and ranted to her about her feelings and why she reacted the way she did. She said my aunt looked up at her, smiled and they hugged. My mom told me that the hug felt like it lasted a lifetime. She felt at ease and finally felt like my aunt had forgiven her. She went on to tell my aunt how much my sister and I loved her and that she was so thankful that she loved us the way she did. My mom awoke after that and saw that I was on the couch at that point. I know for a fact that it was my aunt at my doorway that night. She wanted to check in on me and some part of me thinks that she was on her way to visit my mom in her dream to make peace with her. To add to the sentiment of this story, I found out years later that my aunt found out at a young age that she was infertile and would not be able to have children. She found this out by having a miscarriage. This only adds to the fact that my aunt loved my sister and I so much that she wanted to leave this earth knowing she had made peace with my mom to help us feel better about her passing. She truly thought of us as her own. To this day, she is always in my mind, and I wish I was able to tell her just how much I loved her and her huge heart. And story number three comes from Anonymous. And just to give you a warning before we start this story that there is a mention of childhood sexual abuse. When I was younger, I would see a lot of things that scared the shit out of me. One night when I was about 13 or 14, I woke up and looked across my room. On the opposite side of the room was my wardrobe, and on top of it were two schoolgirls sitting there. They had full school uniforms on, complete with ties and grey knee-length socks. They looked at me. One whispered into the other one's ear, and then they both giggled before disappearing. Obviously, I shit myself, screamed and ran for the light switch. My mum thought I'd gone crazy, as did my poor sister who I shared a room with. On a couple of occasions, I woke to a man dressed in a dark trench coat and hat, crouched at the side of my bed. I never saw his face and he appeared to be hiding as though he had been caught wandering around. He never said anything, or even moved, but I could smell his coat. You know that smell wax coats have when they are wet? It smelt like that. As always, I would scream and throw myself in the direction of the light switch. When the lights came on, he was gone. I wouldn't go back to sleep until I forced my poor mum to turn my room upside down, checking there wasn't anyone there. In my first year of university, I woke to see a guy about my age wander through my tiny student hall's bedroom. He had his head down, reading a book. He had jeans on and a blue t-shirt. He walked through where my bed was and then through the wall to the next room. I didn't feel scared that time, just a little sad, that if he was a ghost, he was destined to haunt the crappy student halls of residence for the rest of eternity. That room next to mine was occupied by my boyfriend at the time, and he wasn't particularly happy when I told him I saw a ghost wander into his room. I would always see these things about 40 minutes after I fell asleep. My mum would say they were night terrors, but having now seen my own child have night terrors, I'm pretty sure that's not what they are, as they were very fleeting and I recall 90% or more. 
I don't think it was sleep paralysis either as I didn't have any problems with running from my bed taking all the bedding with me in a desperate scramble for the light switch. When I was a teenager and in my early 20s I truly believed I was haunted but as I've gotten older I've realised that it is more likely a product of my slightly messed up brain. I was subject to sexual abuse throughout my childhood and I've been left with mental health issues including anxiety and OCD. I've also read about how childhood trauma can affect a developing brain and I wonder if this is responsible for what I've seen. Has it made my brain a bit odd so that it manifests these things? Or have my experiences given me ghost viewing superpowers? Who knows? Although it would be cool to think I have superpowers. I certainly see less now that I'm older, although I do still see things on occasion. My dad passed away about five years ago and once a few weeks after he died, I woke in the night suddenly. When I opened my eyes, my dad was stood at the side of my bed. He was wearing his usual shirt, jumper and jeans combo and looked like the dad I knew rather than the shell of himself he was before he passed away. He smiled at me, then turned and walked out of my bedroom. I didn't feel scared, just comforted and like he had come to say goodbye. Even if that was just my brain processing the grief I was experiencing, I will forever cherish it because it meant my last memory of my dad was no longer him dying in a hospital bed. Recently, my abuser died. Not long after this, I was sleeping on the floor next to my child's bed as he had had trouble sleeping. I woke in the night and saw a hand in front of me. It was underneath the bed sheet, pushing outwards. It wasn't my child's. It was a large adult hand and I had an overwhelming feeling that it belonged to my abuser. It was desperately trying to grab me. I was awake, looking at it, about to grab my child and run when it disappeared. A few weeks ago I was lying with my son to help him go to sleep. I nodded off and woke up shortly afterwards. I looked at my child and he was still awake. I was about to ask him why he was still awake when I realised it wasn't his face at all. It was the face of an older man. He smiled at me, a really sinister smile. I was about to scream when suddenly it was just my son's normal face and he was sound asleep. These are the ones I can remember right now, although I'm sure there are more. Am I just a bit messed up with an overactive imagination? Or am I really seeing ghosts? Who knows? I'll let you decide for yourselves. And story number four comes from Sarah. I really enjoy the mini stories and have been mostly listening through those first. However, today I listened to the Black Eyed Children episode and it brought something to mind. A job I left two years ago, after having been employed for four years, was something called an Assertive Community Treatment Team. An ACT team is a group of folks composed of a psychiatrist, therapists, substance abuse counsellors, vocational specialists, peer counsellors and housing specialists who support folks in the community with severe psychiatric disorders, primarily schizophrenia, schizoaffective disorder, but also mania and depression and borderline personality disorders. I was a housing specialist. A colleague I shared an office with was a vocational specialist. Our days were spent visiting our clients in the community in their homes and basically ensuring that their needs were met and coaching them through basic ADLs, etc., My colleague was making a quick visit to one of our clients to check in and also to provide him with his medications, which we delivered to this individual every other day so that we could observe his consumption of this medication, 
because when he did not take it, he would decompensate rapidly and become catatonic, often requiring hospitalization. Aside from his known mental illness, schizophrenia, there was nothing particularly strange about this client. He was gentle, quiet, easygoing, and compliant. He was an older man in his 50s. However, my colleague had a very brief yet disturbing visit with this gentleman one day. Typically, he lets you into his apartment, you talk, ensure he has food, has tidied up, etc., give him his medication, and that's it. But on this day, the client only opened the door enough to show himself and wouldn't make eye contact and wouldn't let my colleague in. This was really unusual for him. He was a very predictable man. My colleague went with it though and spoke for a moment, preparing to give him his medication. When he did look up to decline his medication, he made eye contact with my colleague and what she told me was very bizarre. She said when he looked up at her, his eyes were completely black. No whites, nothing. Maybe it's worth noting that he had light blue eyes typically. Obviously she was freaked out and she politely ended the visit and left. My colleague is a very professional person, she doesn't make up stories. I shared an office with her for three of the four years and in that profession you go through a lot together and share all kinds of goofy stories given our interesting client base. Well we often shared stories that were bizarre, there was never anything like this. Even though it seemed unbelievable, I know she was being 100% honest about what she had witnessed. I have zero explanation for what had happened that day, or why our client would have behaved in that way, or appeared that way. Even when he was unwell or unmedicated, his response was to become catatonic, not psychotic or otherwise. Anyway, it goes to show that there are most certainly very strange and inexplicable, seemingly otherworldly things that do happen. I hope this little tidbit keeps your passion going. Scary and paranormal stories are fun, but beyond the fun is the intellectual intrigue where you know things truly occur that are just beyond our comprehension. And story number five comes from Chris. I've always felt sensitive to certain energies, both good and bad, and honestly the feeling is usually so intense that I try to avoid thinking about it. I've called it vibes, ghosts, energies, whatever. But certain places give me the familiar dread of being watched, or this overwhelming darkness. But like I said, I ignore it. I don't need that kind of thing in my life. I would feel the energy in my own home also, but it was never negative or dark. The house I grew up in is in Brooklyn. My grandparents bought it while it was being built. Anytime me or my mom would have that overwhelming sense or there would actually be something unexplainable in the house. She would say it was my grandparents, and it was always a nice thought. They were the funniest, so it made sense that out of complete nowhere, frames just fell off the wall, candles my grandmother hated toppled over, and my grandfather's cane that we kept by the door fell over out of the blue. He was a violin player, and in the middle of the day he used to tune the violin. It would make this creaking sound throughout the house. There was a time well after he died that I was sure I heard the distinct sound of the violin tuning, though it couldn't be. But from another room, my mom called, Did you hear him? With the quarantine happening in New York, I moved back in with my mom so she wasn't alone, and honestly I did miss the house. There was a night she was having awful migraines and just didn't feel well at all, 
so I sat up in her room with her to keep her company and distract her a little from not feeling well. We joked around, laughed, watched TV and eventually I fell asleep in the chair in her room. All of a sudden I thought I woke up with that awful dark dread feeling. My chest felt tight and I was panicked and felt as if I'd been shaken awake. I saw my mom asleep in her bed, I couldn't catch my breath and for some reason it didn't feel like me moving. I got up and I walked down the hall into my bedroom. I walked up to my closet and saw that a man with huge eyes and this wide eerie grin was looking out of my closet at me. He had a sharp nose, messy blonde hair and looked long and spindly and hardly real. His face is still so clear in my mind. We only stared at each other. He was unblinking and for some reason I couldn't move from that spot and couldn't say anything. I don't remember what happened after but I woke up later in the morning still in that chair in her room. I had that strange sickly feeling of what I assumed was a dream still on me, like a bad taste in my mouth. Eventually I shook it off, as we do with bad dreams later the next morning. I had breakfast with my mom, and she told me that finally the headaches went away, but she did have a strange nightmare last night. She thought nothing of it, but just told me that she dreamed of a man who was desperately trying to get into the house, that she was creeping around the back door, and she kept catching him looking in the windows, and she'd bang on the window, but he wouldn't go away. He would just stare at her, unblinking. We spent the whole morning talking, joking around, drinking coffee, and then my dad called. He lives a few blocks over, and he and my mom talk every now and then. And he said he had to call because he just had the weirdest feeling stuck on him all morning. He said he couldn't shake the thought that something was wrong over here. My mom laughed, and insisted that he was paranoid that we were just fine, but all he kept saying was okay, but please make sure the doors are locked. Please tell Chris she needs to make sure everything is locked. He said he didn't remember, but he felt like he dreamt of the house. I had never felt a dread like I did that minute, especially in this house. And I don't even know how to describe it now. What is strange is that after the phone call, after telling my mom about my dream, I went upstairs to my bedroom. Truthfully, I wanted to avoid that room this morning. Since we're working from home and my bedroom is now the background of all my video meetings, I'm always sure it's clean and tidy and that the closet door is shut. For three months living here now, I've been sure of this. When I went up to my room on this morning, the closet was open. It's been about a month since then, and I still can't exactly tell what happened. I'd like to write it off as a dream, but a dream that all three of us had some variation of. I haven't had any dream like that since and I'm truly hoping not to. And story number six comes from Charlie. I've always experienced the paranormal around me ever since I was a small child. Even in new built houses I see ghosts, but I've been told that spirits follow me. When I was 10, my dad and I jumped to the gate of the local primary school on a Sunday to play football. I saw a woman in the door staring angrily at me. I told my dad we had to go because the head teacher was staring at me and she looked really cross and I was scared she was going to come and tell me off. My dad went to the door and said there was no one in and the door was locked. 
The caretaker then came round and said that he saw the ghost head teacher all the time. And that's why he now had to bring his wife to work, because the ghost won't leave him alone. My house is very haunted. It's an old Victorian house, with a sad backstory. We always see people walk past us in the kitchen. There are even guests who now won't come back. And once there was a man sat on our toilet, having what I can only assume to be a ghostly poo. But I ended up having to move out because the spirits wouldn't leave me alone and I would lie in bed, and they would watch me sleep. My boyfriend thinks I'm crazy, but having people who don't believe in ghosts also seeing stuff in the house with me makes me feel so much better. Thank you for listening to today's episode, and thank you to Kevin, Carrie, Anonymous, Sarah, Chris, and Charlie for sending in your stories. It is much appreciated. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can find out everything you need to know about us on reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, we shall see you next week. <laughs>